pencil that this is the last time we've seen NBA basketball this season? How realistic of a possibility is that? It is unclear, Sage, to me right now um, how realistic it is, but it is part of the conversation. And uh, teams who are playing tomorrow are already talking amongst themselves today about whether they will play. You know, there's three more games tomorrow. I think the tenor of that meeting with the players tonight, there will be certainly conversations with the Players Association. They've been ongoing with the league office. You know, it is premature to say that we have seen the last NBA game this year. But, listen, these players um, and, and these organizations, they are serious here about these issues. Uh, the Jacob Blake shooting touched off what was already a really raw environment uh, within the bubble with players. They have, they have felt these issues deeply since they've been here. They've continued to talk about them. They have made tangible uh, players and the league have made some tangible, uh, put some tangible things in place moving forward. The coaches, uh, but the players, there's a sense of helpless, helplessness among many and support among many others uh, to stand shoulder to shoulder with them. Uh, and this is a moment in time uh, in the NBA, in professional sports, and it is going to be. So those were some of the comments from Ed Wojnarowski. For some reason, audio it cut off prematurely. But he was basically discussing the future of the NBA playoffs after the Bucks boycott. Uh, bring you up to speed. Now, I remind you that some of these teams, when they got to the bubble, first team that was actually in the Toronto Raptors, and they had already been talking about, you know, do we really want to play the games or not? With everything that's going on with the pandemic, the race, the social unjust, so on and so forth, and they have been very vocal about it, and it seems like Fred Van Vliet has been very vocal, and now we have a situation where we're looking at the NBA, and ironic, that you have the Milwaukee Bucks from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and all this stuff was in Wisconsin with the shooting that took place Sunday night. So you figure if there was going to be a boycott, leading the charges would be the Milwaukee Bucks. And I'm pretty sure there's going to be mixed reviews on both sides of the fence. Me, I'm all for it. No explanation needed. I'm all for it. Because the players, since they've been to bowl, have been in a situation where they felt like they were secluded from the outside world. To where they, even though they may have a voice and a platform, they're still trapped in this isolation away from the outside world. To whereas, during the George Floyd situation, they were some of them were probably out there on the front line with the people marching and protesting. And let me just say this. All protesting, all protesters aren't looters, just like all murders shouldn't be associated with the rest. Okay, let's get that out of the way first and foremost. So let me give you the scores for tonight. Orlando, Milwaukee, Postpone. Milwaukee leaves that series three to one. 
Oklahoma City, Houston. Game five, series tied 2-2, postponed. First round game in the West, also game five. Portland versus the LA Lakers. LA leads the series 3-1, postponed. The players are in solidarity. I applaud them. So, there is joint conversation going on with Raptors and Celtics players discussing boycott other measures following the Jacob Blake shooting. With game one of the Eastern Conference semifinals between the Boston Celtics and Toronto Raptors just over 24 hours away from its scheduled tip, the possibility of boycotting the game remained on the table for both teams in the wake of the police shooting of Jacob Blake. Blake, a black man, was shot seven times, apparently in the back by police on Sunday in Kenosha, Wisconsin, as he attempted to enter the driver's side door of his vehicle with three of his children inside. Video of the shooting was distributed on social media. The NBA postponed all of Wednesday's games after the Milwaukee Bucks decided not to take the floor for Game 5 of their first-round playoff series against the Orlando Magic. Oklahoma City Thunder and Houston Rockets and the Los Angeles Lakers and Portland Trailblazers also have been scheduled to play. The players are deeply disappointed that the same thing happens again in a relatively short time frame. Raptors coach Nick Nurse said earlier Wednesday, referring to the killing of George Floyd by police three months ago. They want to be a part of the solution. They want to help. They want justice. They want this particular problem to be handled in a much better way. That's the first thing. Boycotting the game has come up for them as a way to try to demand a little more action. That's really what they want. I think there's enough attention and not quite enough action. And that's where I can sense from the discussions is their disappointment. Like, man, how can we get something to change like now? We need something to change. Not just attention on the problem. We need a plan of action. Players from the Celtics and Raptors held a players-only meeting Tuesday night to discuss the possibility of a boycott and other measures. And we're planning to meet again Wednesday night to further discuss the matter. However, now, every NBA player and coach has been invited to an 8 p.m. Eastern meeting in the NBA bubble at the Walt Disney World Resort to discuss how they will proceed from Wednesday's decisions. Sources told ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski and Zach Lowe. Sources told ESPN that discussions within teams are ongoing about postponing Thursday's games too and beyond. Game sixes are scheduled for Thursday between the Denver Nuggets and Utah Jazz as well as the LA Clippers and Dallas Mavericks. In addition to game one of the Boston-Toronto series. This season is in jeopardy, one veteran told one veteran player told ESPN, 
From the moment the NBA and the National Basketball Players Association agreed to create the bubble and attempt to restart the season amid the coronavirus pandemic, attempts to address the ongoing issues of pro- police brutality, social justice, and racial inequality in America. Society have been top of our mind. The words Black Lives Matter are painted on all three game courts at ESPN's Wide World of Sports Complex, and players are wearing Black Lives Matter warm-up shirts before every game. The majority of players also are wearing jerseys with words or phrases that were agreed upon to promote positive change in society. Coaches, players, and referees are kneeling in solidarity during the national anthem before games are played. Coaches are wearing pins that read Coaches Against Racial Inequality. And both players and coaches have actively used their time with the media to speak out about issues outside of basketball. But as this week has progressed, there has been a palpable sense of frustration among players around the league that incidents like the shooting of Blake on Sunday continue to happen. Really, all we can hope and try to do is impact change, Celtics forward Grant Williams said Wednesday. That's something that we have always strived for, and we started with the kneeling. We were hoping that sent a message, and it sent the message. But then, as that message gets pushed out, then they stop showing us. So now, it's more about what can we do next to not only show that we're not only involved, but also show that we really care, and that it saddens us to see nothing's changing. And there's something that has to happen. And that's part of the discussions and creative ways of how we can create change and how we can not only be there for those who are experiencing tough trials, like the Blake family right now, and not only support them, but also show their stories, send their message out to the communities that show how this world is and how we can hopefully get better and improve as a society. Not one by one, but hopefully as a whole. Part of their discussion about possible ways to create change centers on whether Thursday's game should be played at all. Raptors guard Fred VanVleet first publicly posed a question during the media availability Tuesday, and the discussion continued during Tuesday night's meeting. Whether the players ultimately choose to play the latest incident has had a dramatic impact on the mood of everyone inside the bubble. For the Raptors, this week marks two months that they have been away from home, having had to spend an additional two weeks in Florida before entering the bubble because of border issues between the United States and Canada due to the pandemic. For the other teams, it has been six weeks since they left their friends and family behind, and the strain of all that, coupled with what is continued to take place outside the bubble is taking a its toll on everyone. The first incident that happened a couple of months ago, guys were able to be on the front lines, be seen, be in their communities and the neighborhood. Celtics forward Jason Tatum said, we're kind of stuck between the decision of some people can go home, but we understand that we're giving up by being here. The work that so many people, 
so many hours went into making this all possible. So it's a tough decision. I know some guys have thought about going home. A lot of things are bigger than basketball. And we understand that. We're people first. We're people first and foremost. We're not just basketball players. So the feeling of being isolated from the outside world, that's kind of how I feel right now. I know a lot of other guys feel the same way. Tatum went on to say that while both teams have championship aspirations, basketball is not something anyone is thinking about at the moment. Yeah, I mean, how many points we score? That S don't matter right now, he said. Being a black man in America is more important than what I'm doing out there on the basketball court. Using my platform, my voice, to help create conversations and change is more important than anything I can do out there. You think about a man getting shot in his back seven times with his kids in the car is way more important than anything I can do out on the floor. Just knowing his kids are going to be traumatized for the rest of their life, seeing their dad get shot for no reason. I couldn't even imagine how that's going to affect him the rest of their life. It's so many things in this life that are way more important than anything. Like Tatum, Nurse said he's had conversation with players who would like to go home. Both he and his Celtics counterpart, Brad Stevens, said their goal is to try to help their players in any way they can, whether by listening or giving their opinion or supporting them in what they are trying to do. It's not about me, obviously, Stevens said. It's about these guys are people first. They care deeply about the communities that they grew up in, the communities they live in, and everything that's going on affects them emotionally and us emotionally, just like everyone else. I think that's something that sometimes when you turn on TV, you forget. I think that certainly they're amazing. And we are in coaching as much as anything, to just be a part of a team and to be around people and to share those moments that only a team can share in those rooms. The things I think you look back on your career is you really think about the relationship that you built and everything else and how people from backgrounds, every background, can come together for a common goal. That's what makes sports special and makes teams special. But at the end of the day, also, certainly, we're all affected by what's going on around us. The Raptors have been outspoken on this issue from the onset. Arriving at the bubble in buses with Black Lives Matter and bold lettering on the outside and recently addressed the release of footage of Masai Ujiri, the team's president of basketball operations, being shoved by a Bay Area sheriff's deputy while Ujiri tried to get onto the court to celebrate after Toronto won its first NBA championship last year. From my standpoint, I think that we've got some pretty conscientious guys. Nurse said, I think we obviously have the footage and the situation with Masi just coming out, and our team just saw that recently as well. So there's a personalness to it. I think the part of our group. The dialogue is continued between the rap 
between the Celtics and the Raptors with a resolution needed by 6.30 p.m. Eastern Thursday. It's an active discussion, Tatum said. Obviously, it started with the Raptors. Obviously, that's who we're playing. It's been talked about with other guys on other teams. People are upset and angry, and we're just trying to come together and figure out a way how we can do something. Obviously, people are going to say, well, what is sitting out going to do? Obviously, if we sit out a game or the rest of the playoffs, we understand how big of an impact they will have. Everybody's going to have to talk about it. Continue to raise awareness. We don't want to just keep playing and forget about what's going on in the outside world because it's affecting us. It's affecting everybody. We're more than just basketball players. We're people. And we have these raw emotions and feelings. Wow. Is all we can say. I think that last sentence right there summed it up. We're more than just basketball players. We're people. And we have these raw emotions and feelings. I will have more when I come back. This is liable to be my longest podcast because there is a lot to get to. So stick around. This is a train sports talk podcast. This is yours truly Anthony Smith. I would have more after I slip in a word from my sponsor. All right, welcome back. And, uh, you know, this story continues. Uh, in case you were watching and things seem strange to you, uh, Kenny Smith walks off TNT inside the NBA set in solidarity with player protests. Kenny Smith walked off the TNT inside the NBA set on Wednesday night as a show of solidarity with NBA players who are not playing games as a form of protest because of the Jacob Blake shooting. Smith, one of the analysts on Inside the NBA with Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal, said he had trouble finding the right words to succinctly put how he and the players are feeling following Sunday's shooting. Blake, a black man, was shot at least seven times, apparently in the back by police on Sunday in Kenosha, Wisconsin, as he attempted to enter the driver's side door of his vehicle with three of his children inside. Video of the shooting was distributed on social media. This is tough. I mean, right now, my head is ready to explode, Smith said. Like, just in the thoughts of what's going on, I don't even know if I'm even appropriate enough to say it, what the players are feeling and how they are feeling. I haven't talked to any of the players. Coming in and even driving here, getting into the studio, hearing calls and people talking. And for me, I think the biggest thing now as a black man, as a former player, I think it's best for me to support the players 
and just not be here tonight. Smith then unplugged his microphone and proceeded to walk off the set. Host Ernie Johnson told Smith he respected his decision to leave. All games on Wednesday were postponed after the Milwaukee Bucks' decision not to take the floor for Game 5 of their playoff series against the Orlando Magic in Lake Buena Vista, Florida. Every NBA player has been invited to join an 8 p.m. Eastern meeting in the NBA bubble to discuss how they'll proceed from Wednesday's decision, sources told ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski and Zach Lowe. As Smith left the set, he said he will figure out what happens later. So, this is kind of like a trickle-down situation going on. So, this latest round has has had an immediate effect on the NBA, the bubble, players, coaches, broadcast colleagues. And I'm pretty sure this thing is far, far from over. I would not be surprised. A co-worker of mine told me today, he said he would not be surprised. Matter of fact, he basically said, this may be the end of the season right here. Now, Ed Wojnarowski, he did not particularly say that this could be the last games we've seen, but I'm going to go on record and say, as of now, the season, you could put a fork in it. You can put a fork in the NBA season. And there is also a chance you can probably put a fork in the WNBA season as well, too. No, seriously. And we're going to talk about that right now. We are here with Atlanta Dreams' Elizabeth Williams, and we have had a development here. The players initially thought they would play tonight, but they have changed their mind, and Elizabeth Williams would like to read this statement. After speaking with representatives from Team Flight tonight, as well as our WNBPA leadership, the consensus is to not play in tonight's slate of games, and to kneel, lock arms, and raise fists during the national anthem. We stand in solidarity with our brothers in the NBA, and will continue this conversation with our brothers and sisters across all leagues and look to take collective action. What we have seen over the last few months and most recently with the brutal police shooting of Jacob Blake is overwhelming. And while we hurt for Jacob and his community, we also have an opportunity to keep the focus on the issues and demand change. These moments are why it's important for our fans to stay focused, hear our voices, know our hearts, and connect the dots from what we say to what we do. We encourage everyone to go and register to vote now, today. If you truly believe that Black Lives Matter, then vote. Go and complete the 2020 census now. Don't wait. If we wait, we don't make change. It matters. Your voice matters. Your vote matters. Do all you can to demand that your leaders stop with the empty words and do something. This is the reason for the 2020 season. It is in our DNA. We have been saying her name. We are lifting the names of black and brown women whose murders have been forgotten. 
We will continue to use our platform to speak of these injustices that are still happening and demand action for change. Black Lives Matter, say her name, say his name. Tonight, we stand, and while we have heavy hearts, we stand with strong and determined voices and ask all our fans to vote, to engage, and to make that difference. And there you have it. WNBA games postponed tonight as well. The WNBA's three games scheduled for Wednesday night were postponed as part of protests among professional sports teams regarding the shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin on Sunday. This isn't just about basketball. We aren't just basketball players. Washington Mystic guard Ariel Atkins told ESPN broadcaster Holly Rowe in a televised interview from the WNBA bubble in Bradenton. We're going to say what we need to say. The WNBA's games on Wednesday were between the Atlanta Dream and defending WNBA champion Mystics, the Los Angeles Sparks and Minnesota Lynx and the Connecticut Sun and Phoenix Mercury. The WNBA decision followed the announcement that the WNBA's three games Wednesday were postponed after the Bucks did not take the floor for their game against the Orlando Magic. Three major league baseball games were also postponed. We stand in solidarity with our brothers in the NBA and will continue this conversation with our brothers and sisters across all leagues and look to take collective action. Dream forward Elizabeth Williams said in a statement that Executive Director Terry Jackson said expressed the WNBA Players Union's point of view. What we have seen over the last few and most recently with the brutal police shooting of Jacob Blake is overwhelming and while we hurt for Jacob and his community, we also have an opportunity to keep the focus on the issues and demand change. These moments are why it's important for our fans to stay focused, hear our voice, know our hearts, and connect the dots from what we say to what we do. Blake, a black man, was shot seven times by police on Sunday. Blake was shot as he attempted to enter the driver's side door of his vehicle with three of his children inside. Video of the shooting was distributed on social media. WNBA Commissioner Kathy Engelberg, who is on site at IMG Academy, also spoke with Roe after the announcement of the postponement. We absolutely support them, Engelberg said to WNBA players. We are running a very player-first agenda. We said that from the beginning, and that's why I was here to listen, to talk with them. Maybe impart some of my knowledge from my experience and really help them think through strategically what this night meant to them. And then, where do we go from here? For the WNBA teams, the Mystic, Dream, Spark, and Link were already on site for their game and met for about an hour to make a decision on whether they would play. The Mystic, who wore t-shirts with simulated bullet holes on the back as a protest against the Blake shooting, ultimately decided they did not want to play 
and the other teams them joined them in that decision. The players for those teams then met on court and kneeled in solidarity. At the start of the day, our intention was to play, Mystics coach Mike the ball said. As the day progressed, players on our team and others talked. The NBA did what they did. I think this was a decision that was hard for everybody to make. Part of our journey to come here was to keep the conversation alive and use our platform to talk about systemic racism and police violence against black men and women. Our players felt like if we're not going to take the last step and make the final stand, when are we ever going to do it? The WNBA has made social justice and the primary platform for the 2020 season with players wearing Breonna Taylor's name on the backs of their jerseys. Taylor, a Louisville woman, killed by police after a no-knock raid on her home in March. And other women who have been killed or wounded in police shootings have been a focus of the WNBA and the Say Her Name campaign, which seeks to raise awareness for them. The WNBA is a little over midway through a 22-game regular season and has three games per day most days since July 25th. WNBA Executive Committee President Nika of the Los Angeles Sparks spoke with Roe about what the players will discuss going forward regarding this season. My role in what I do as president is lay out the options she said, and really make sure everyone understands the implications of the decisions we make. We're not just trying to make a statement today. We're trying to figure out what actionable items can come out of this. There's so much more we feel we can do to really create some serious change. Right now, we're, or, organi orga we're organizing to figure out how we can have a bubble meeting. And how we can also meet with our MBPA brethren to really discuss what the call to action is after today. And as I said, there's a possibility not only is this the end of the NBA season, but it could also be the end of the WNBA season. As Jason Tatum of the Celtics said, there's more things to life than basketball and right now this is the issue at hand stay tuned i should have more when i come back after a word from my sponsor okay i am back i want to say this may be my final segment but then again it may not because there's a lot of news to get to so what i may do i may condense some up down condense some of the news down and get in there and out of there and get to the next one because I have also a very interesting story. I think one that you, the listening public, would like. It's going to take you back some years, but there's a developing story right now in the midst of the protests going on. Uh, Marcus Morris Sr. denies trying to injure Luka Doncic. One thing I am, I am not is a dirty player. So Marcus Morris Sr., and Doc Rivers said it is absolutely absurd that anybody would suggest the LA Clippers power forward would intentionally try to hurt Dallas Mavericks star Luka Doncic. On Wednesday, 
Morris again denied that he intentionally stepped on Doncic's sprained left ankle during Tuesday night's Game 5. Somebody would actually really like to try to make a case for me trying to hurt another player intentionally, Morris said, of why he felt the need to intentionally defend himself on social media after Game 5. I stand on respect, morals, and hard work, and my family watching me play this game. I approach this game with the utmost respect for every player. I have been in many battles with great players, and not once have I tried to do anything dirty as far as taking a player out of the game. Luka is a great player for years to come, but to try to disrespect my character, I felt the need to speak on that. One thing I am not is a dirty player, more sad, and I hang my hat on being a hard worker. I am a respected man in this league, and I hope that people look at that and know me as who I am, and I would never go that far trying to hurt somebody. I just think that's absurd, and it's just too far. Rivers was upset. That anyone would push the narrative that Morris tried to step on Donchick's injured left ankle on purpose. When Morris jogged from the left wing toward Donchick after he made basket by the Clippers early in the third quarter, Morris' left foot landed on the back of Donchick's left foot, knocking Donchick's shoe off. And the Clippers forward was called for a loose ball foul on the play. The Marcus thing is absurd, Rivers said Winston. I don't even know why we're actually talking about it other than someone trying to, whoever it is trying to push some type of narrative. To me, that to me, I was shocked when I, I didn't hear it until this morning. It's absolutely absurd. Whoever is pushing that. A source told ESPN that the Mavericks also requested the league office review a possible uncalled landing space violation on a three-pointer. Doncic made over Morris with 9.33 remaining in the third quarter. Doncic grimaced as he backpedaled down the court after the shot. There is no place for plays like that in our game, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle said when asked Wednesday about that play. The league has the ability retroactively to look at that and determine whether they felt it was intentional or not. Look, I don't know what goes through Morris's head. I know he came out and had some tweets last night or whatever. This is something the league's going to have to deal with. We want to keep all our players out of danger. We want to keep the Clippers players out of danger, too. This should be hard competition, but it should be clean competition, too. I know that's the way the league feels, and that's the way we feel as well. Doncic is listed as questionable for Thursday's Game 6 due to his sprained left ankle. But Carlisle said he expects Doncic to play. Mavs co-star Chris Stapps Porzingis is also listed as questionable. But Carlisle indicated it's likely that Porzingis will miss his third consecutive game due to right knee soreness. As hard as he's working on this and as much as he wants to be out there, I'm personally not optimistic about this Carlisle said. We'll see where we are tomorrow. I hope I'm wrong. Morris made it clear that anyone who thinks he is a dirty player is wrong. 
I hope he's okay, Morris said. Of Dostick, I actually apologize right when it happened. Mistakes happen. I've never been a guy that tries to take somebody out, Morris added. I honestly didn't even know he had a left ankle injury. I have a son coming. I have kids. I have my family here. I just felt like to try to find a narrative, try to create a story. I just felt like it was too far. And I won't let someone disrespect my character like that. So Marcus Morris has spoken up. Marcus Morris has defended his character in the midst of his character being, I guess, slammed. Also, on another note, and we won't get into that one, but Pacers fire McMillan after his Indiana Pacers were swept. And also, Wisconsin Lieutenant Governor to the Bucks called for action at all levels. So, look like maybe some action as opposed to just attention, but like some action may be starting to take place. Now, I'm going to take you back in time. How many of y'all remember the name Gary Payton? Right, the trash-talking point guard who got drafted by the Seattle Supersonics out of, I believe, Oregon or Oregon State. I think it was Oregon State. Well, there was an interesting situation that happened in his rookie year. And I'm pretty sure you'll find this story very interesting. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to take one final break. And when I come back, I'm going to dive into this story. Because this story, I don't know, it may put you to sleep. It did, Gary Payton. So after this word from my sponsor, I'll be right back. A Transports Talk Podcast. This is Anthony Smith. When McDaniel put Peyton in a sleeper hole, that was a wake-up call. He was only 22, coming from Oregon State. But Gary Peyton carried himself like a veteran from day one, trash-talking everyone, always ready for a challenge. That's what made him one of the best defenders in the game. But it came at a cost. As good and as fearless as he was, he was still a rookie. His veteran mentor on the team was Xavier McDaniel. A no-nonsense forward, McDaniel provided leadership and experience to his rookie. Sometimes verbal, sometimes not. You can imagine teaching young Gary Payton about how things are done was challenging at times. Still, they were a great fit because McDaniels was behind McDaniel was being a rookie 
means becoming a personal butler to your mentor. He would have to get up at 6 a.m. to get McDaniel some breakfast. If they were in a cold city during the winter, Peyton had to help the hotel staff load all the luggage. Whatever and whenever your mentor needs, you have to oblige. One day, Peyton decided he was done with all the tasks rookies get. He told McDaniel, no more. Can you imagine a star rookie, second overall pick in the draft, getting choked out in today's NBA? Well, let's see how that happened. He says, Xavier looked at me and was like, young boy, you ain't even did blank in this league. And you trying to, you got to pay dues like I pay dues. I straight up, what the blank you going to do? I ain't paying blank blank. This is what Zave did. He grabbed me by my neck, middle of practice, and put me in one of those sleepers, right with everyone watching and everything. I was about to go out, and then he let me go. He told me, if I have to beat your ass every time, you're going to listen to me. Gary Payton, the basketball team. Can you imagine a star rookie, second round overall, picking draft, getting choked out in today's NBA? Everyone would lose their mind, and the rook would probably demand his mentor be traded. Things were different in 1990, and Payton believes it's for the better. He went on and said, that blank was a wake-up call. After that, I did everything he said. What's funny is that me and Zave are still tight to this day. Honest to God, no lie. My career wouldn't have been the same if I had got drafted by a team with all kids my same age. I know that for sure. Most teams, they don't even have a dude like Zave that's going to lay the law down on you. A dude like that who's looking out for you. Carl Anthony Town comes to mind immediately. While KG was mentoring him, the team seemed like they were developing into the right direction. Since then, Dibbs and Butler left Minnesota, and the main point of conflict was they were too harsh on Cat. I'm no Thibodeau and Butler fan, and I agree with many of their critics, but it seems like the rookies that make it in today's league are the ones that accept a dude like Zay. We all need some tough love from time to time. Figured you might like this story because just this past week I shared with you the 1985 draft class, which I still find baffling. But hey, it is what it is. But I thought, you know, with everything that's going on, civil unrest, player protests, figured I'd leave this podcast on a lighter note. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to leave a comment, voicemail, whatever you want to do. Uh, drop me a link. I'll just do your podcast as well, too. I'm going to sign out of here. This is Anthony Smith, a Transports Talk Podcast.
Until next time, take care of yourself and each other. Have a blessed evening.